This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Well, good morning, folks, and welcome to our chapel service. Uh, I'm filling in for Dr. Hansen and his family who are in Kenya, and I'll be here for two more weeks before he comes back. And I've been with Dr. Hansen, for those who don't know who I am, I've been with Dr. Hansen for 25 years. And I, I'm going to be speaking today on the churches today as seen in the Revelation 7 churches. But before I get to that, as I was thinking this morning or spending time with the Lord, He told me to tell you a little bit about my life, why I'm here and how I got to this ministry. When I was 17 years old, uh, playing in the basketball court, I couldn't make it down to the other end of the basketball court with the team because my heart was beating awful fast. And of course, I got over that, finished the game, but then it happened the next time. Second time it happened, coach says, you gotta go see a doctor. Went to see a heart specialist and they said, I have a heart condition and I'll leave it with that. So then I decided to I was given my life to the Lord, uh, new life to the Lord, because the uh, reason I mention that, in the first church of Ephesus, it talks, we lost your first love. So anyway, uh, the reason I bring that up, I says, if it hadn't been what I did, what the Lord led me someplace, I never did understand it, but as I was thinking through this, maybe the Lord guided me because I went to Luther College, graduated, and then I went to Luther Seminary, and to become a minister in the Lutheran Church. During that period of time, I was in my third year where you have a student internship. I was in San Diego, California as a student pastor. And I had a lot of pains in my chest. Well, if you have a heart condition or known heart condition, anything in the area of the heart, even though it wasn't my heart that was hurting, it was I had walking pneumonia. And so I don't know how this happened, but within a week, I'd stopped by the airport, took my first flying lesson, got my license, private license, went back to Minnesota to finish my, my degree in theology, which is a doctor of divinity. Well, at that, it would have been a doctor of divinity. I did not go that far. I went through a master's of divinity. And I became a flight instructor, tried to get hired by Northwest Airlines. My friend got hired six months before I did, but certain things happened and I got hired. I don't want to go into that in too much detail, but it was kind of a, I was out one day by the airport doing, trying to set up my own airline service, basically. 
stopped at the airport, and the chief pilot said, hey, friend of the Dutchman, have you had your physical down at Mayo's yet? I'd passed all the other tests. I says, no. He says, can you do it tomorrow? I says, yeah. So I went down to Mayo's, and uh, they have a special deal there. When you go down there, instead of spending five days, we did it all in one day. We get all appointments lined up. I passed the physical, even with my heart condition I had. They knew about it. I told them about it. I passed the physical. Monday, I was in class. Now, this means I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pilot, airline pilot. And I look back at this. When I think about the first love, losing the first love, if I would have been stayed in the Lutheran church, where would I be? I think I would have lost my first love because I know too many in that church now that have fallen the way of the culture. I think God had his hand in that. Now at the time I didn't think about it. It was really only until this morning I really thought about it. Then I met Dr. Hansen. He came back from Kenya as a pastor and over there setting up churches. I met him in the church that I went to. It was a Assembly of God church, so they knew about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I kind of liked he and his family. My wife and I decided to invite them over for dinner, which we did, and we became friends. I've been traveling with him for 25 years. And I think the Lord had this in mind for me. I would have not gone and do what I can do today if it hadn't been for his intervention, not to lose the first love. I'm going to start by reading in Revelations 1 through 6. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things that must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear witness or bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that heareth the words of this prophecy, and those who keep things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you and peace. And from that which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God, unto the Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever." Before looking into the first church book, Church of Revelation, Ephesus, the last two verses of Jude, which in our canon of the Bible comes right before Revelation, there's two interesting verses. And now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of glory with exceedingly joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power now and forevermore. I think it fits into the first one, especially when we talk about losing your first love. But God is able to keep us from falling. If we fall, He is able to keep pick us up. That's a promise of the Lord. Note, it is only the Lord that can keep us from falling away. We can't do it on our own. We have to rely on the Lord. When I started looking into 
the revelation, the thing that sparked my mind was a ratio, a mathematical ratio. There were seven churches. Five of those seven churches were told to repent. Two churches were not told to repent. That 70% of the church had a problem. It was all bad. God spoke to John and showed him the good things of these churches, these, of these five churches that needed to repent. The other two. But anyway, as I look at that and think of the church today, 70% of the church, I believe, as which written in the book of Revelation, applies to us. 70% of the church needs to relook at our lives, relook at our church, repent, and go back to our first love. When I told you my little story about my life, I got a feeling that God took me that place. He took me out of that so I would not lose my first love. He's so good. He is so good. And oh, by the way, I had that heart condition the whole time I was flying for Northwest Airlines. 63 years later, you know how you pray for healing? 63 years later, I was in my kitchen, in my home. My son was there, my wife was there, and I went down like, boom. I mean, they thought for sure I had just died. I mean, it was just, boom. Anyway, make a long story short, I ended up in the hospital, came out of the hospital, and the doctor says, you know, I can solve your heart problem by surgery. And I says, okay. Well, then I thought about it. The doctors told me many, many years ago, you don't have to worry about dying of a heart attack. Most people who die of a heart attack do not realize they even had a heart problem. You know your problem, you know how to take care of it, and you can survive. But then I thought a little bit, you know what? I'm going to trust the Lord. I told the surgeon, I said, I'm going to trust the Lord that he'll heal me. I mean, I'm talking 63 years. That's a long time to wait on the Lord. I mean, I know people are waiting maybe a year or maybe a month waiting for that miracle to happen, and they pray. And it doesn't happen. But you know what? God has his own timing. I have been healed. It's interesting. When I was sitting back here doing the worship, I start to feel Satan starting to start that up. I says, no, I'm healed, Satan. You're just trying me not to give this testimony. Because I got a feeling when I was there this morning praying, this came about, and Satan said, I don't want you to tell that. I don't want you to tell that story. Because someone may hear it and realize no, God will heal. Be patient and wait. God will heal. Does that mean you don't go to doctor? No. But God will eventually heal. Doctors are fantastic. They can fix broken bones. They can remove big cancers. They can do a lot of things. But most doctors will really realize that only Jesus does the healing. They do the surgery. They do what they have to do. And many times, we've had testimonies here in the past week where they had to go to the doctor, they even took the chemo, they did all this, but then God stepped in and healed. If you have the faith in God. Okay, five out of the seven churches needed to hear what God had to say to them. I think five out of seven churches today need to hear what Jesus was saying through John. Once again, we ourselves cannot keep us totally faithful to the Lord. It is only the Holy Spirit that's operating within us that we can accomplish the victory, and the victory can be yours. As I consider the ratio of the seven churches, I told you again that 70% needed to repent. 
30% did not. And once we get to those two churches, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if you'd like to be one of those because they went through persecution. It wasn't this nice, soft pleasure, going to church on Sunday, worship, going home, having lunch, go back to work. According to Ecclesiastics 1.9, states there is no new thing under the sun. This applies not only to biblical times, but it also applies to all of history and today to our church as well. There's nothing new under the sun. Before we get to the first church, I'd like to read from Proverbs 30, verse 11 through 14. There is a generation that curses the father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that appear in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaws teeth as knives, to devour the poor from the earth, and the needy from among men. There's nothing new under the sun. And if we look at our culture in America, at the present time, you'll see Exactly. We're in a generation today. This was talking to generation way back in biblical times. They were having a problem honoring father and mother. And we'll also see in Ephesus, this is a lot more to that than just that. There are seven key words in the seven churches. I know thy works. God knows everything that we do. And I won't read the verses. You can underline them in your Bible. And then, nevertheless... I know thy works, nevertheless, repent is the third one, overcome is the fourth one, and ears to hear is the fifth one. These are the key verses of all the churches in Revelation. As we look at these churches, where does your church fit? Where does your pastor fit? Where does your worship team fit? I like that one because... I've attended many, many churches with worship, beautiful worship, but some of them have smoke. Some of them have lights flashing on and off. I don't know if this is supposed to be the fire of God coming down and the smoke, you know, you read about in Scripture. But to me, it's distracting. And it's kind of the things of the world instead of just plain, pure worship. Because some of worship is entertainment. They have professionals. Some churches have professional entertainers that come to sing and lead the worship. One thing I liked about David Wilkerson as a pastor, he was always there for the worship. Always there for the worship. And he gave great messages. Shed many tears. I've been to churches where the pastor never comes out until the worship is over with. I don't know what he's doing back there. Maybe he's worshiping. I hope he is. But then he comes out and gives a sermon, and then he gets out of the sermon, he walks away and leaves. Interesting. I believe that pastors need to hear that little message, that you need to participate in the worship. And out of that worship, your messages will have strength and power. Let's look at the first church in Revelation, the church of Ephesus. Remember, I said 70% of the churches mentioned needed correction. And I believe it's the same today. They are preaching and doing good works. But one of the biggest problems I see in the church today is not operating with the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, every church recognizes the Holy Spirit. 
And they teach that. When you repent and give your life to the Lord, you receive not only the baptism of water, but you receive the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, in the church today, there are seven feasts mentioned in the Bible, the Lord's Feast. There's really only one that most churches honor, and that's Pentecost. That is the one that's normally celebrated and not the others. And these are the Lord's Feast. We won't get into that. That's a whole other message. What do you think Jesus told the disciples? Why do you think Jesus told the disciples to tarry for the filling of the Holy Spirit? He knew the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a quick overview of the seven churches. Ephesus lost their first love. Smyrna did not need to repent. Pergamos was a stumbling block. It was a stumbling block. Tyathara, sexual and fornication. Sardis, your works were not perfect. You did the works, but they were not perfect. Philadelphia, like Smyrna, needed no repentance. Laosodia, Laosodia, neither cold nor hot. Look at Ephesus in chapter Revelation chapter 2. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus writes, These things saith that he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how this cannot bear them that are evil. And thou hast tried them, which said they are the apostles, and they are not and have found them liars, and that, and has borne, and hath patience, and for my name's sake hath labored, and have not fainted. In other words, if you look at the churches out there, they are doing good works. They are presenting the gospel. They are getting people saved. They're helping the community, bringing people into the church. They're doing evangelism. In Dr. Hansen's newsletter dated 2003, which is a few years ago, and it's still appropriate today, uh, he stated that he, Jesus, is speaking to us today. It is with the authority of God that he commends, he condemns, he warns, he rebukes, and calls us to repentance and to be faithful, lest we lose not only our power in anointing or and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but most important of all, our place in the Lamb's book of life. Yes, we can do a lot of good works. We can be very faithful. But the key is, are we doing the way that God wants us to do it so our name will continue to be written in the Lamb's book of life? Folks, there is a heaven and there is a hell. Jesus commends the church at Ephesus for being able to discern between good and acceptable or bad and false teachers. Today, many churches are being torn apart by teachers of heresy, and nobody challenges, I should say, very few challenges, or stops them from spreading these false truths, these lies. The church is busy, it's active, it's strong, in outward appearance, worthily, worldly success. They have a very strong evangelistic activities to add members to their congregations. Members are not afraid to build the church physically and cause it to grow. Nevertheless, I have something against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. The church in Ephesus, in the city of Ephesus, was also another very, very evil person, so to speak, or God. 
It's the goddess of Diana. Very, very powerful in Ephesus. And yet Jesus is saying here, you know, church at Ephesus, you're doing a lot of good works. But they're also fighting a city where they have the goddess Diana. In Ephesus, we see some good things that are being the church is doing. In fact, originally, it was out of a loving and pure heart. Nevertheless, over time, it caused it intent to become wrong, where initially they worked with their hands and energies, resources, and talents to build a church, building the holiest motives for Jesus' glory, and truly to bring the lost into the kingdom. Eventually, that became secondary. He that overcometh. The Christian now must overcome the temptations to conform to the society and instead of daily trying to convert the people to the kingdom of God. Because Ephesus had this strong, godless Diana there, the church started to fall prey to Diana. Where the athletes who won the games in Ephesus wallowed in the beauties of Ephesus, Jesus promised those who overcome will eat from the tree of life and enjoy the glory. You must be overcomers. We need to be careful not to neglect our worship of Jesus in exchange for serving him, being busybodies, doing things that are good, but not really worshiping our Jesus, our Savior. We do a lot of things in service which might build a businessman's mega church, but many churches have board of directors, which has nothing to do with the gospel. It is a corporation thing, board of directors, instead of deacons and elders. And I could get a good message on that one, but I won't do it at this time. The importance of deacons and elders as opposed to a board of directors. Now, I won't get into 501c3 because that's basically what a board of directors becomes. And that was a lie of the enemy which the church fell to in our, in our present day church. But our goal is supposed to be to love those around us with, and have peace and joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, mercy, and temperance. That comes from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It is interesting today that there is no Christian church in Ephesus. They lost the first love, and by losing their first love, they've also lost the church. So if we lose our first love, anointing begins to leave. When repentance, without repentance, the Holy Spirit begins to leave. And in 6, again, Jesus commends the church in Ephesus for hating the deeds of the Nicolaitans. This sect abandoned the full gospel for worldly pleasures. They followed the teachers of Balaam, who led Israel into sexual and adulterous unions. The inhabitants of Ephesus were deeply involved in homosexuality, lesbian, adultery, fornication. This is not new. In a, this is what we're going through in our culture, but it was back in this day. Nothing's new under the sun. Question is, where are the churches today? Where is your church today? Is your church accepting, accepting homosexuality? Same-sex marriage, abortion. I know one of the churches I attended as, Luther, as a student pastor back in the 80s had, had accepted homosexuality. One reason I think God kept me from going, took me into the early airlines instead of leaving me in the church. Are they following the morals of the culture and not the truth of the Bible, but the lies of Satan? This is a short look at the church of Ephesus. What are we to learn? What are we to consider as we live in America and our day's culture and lifestyle? We need to examine our thoughts 
our words or actions, do they line up with the Word of God, as Christ instructed us to do? Have we fallen prey to the lies of Satan? Have we fallen prey to false teachers and to false interpretation of God's Word? Have we lost our first love? Have we become more in love with worldly things? Wealth, cars, houses, sports, smartphones, technology, are more important than love with ourselves. And we are more important, more important than that is, are we in love with ourselves and the worship of the evil trinity, me, myself, and I? Have you died to yourself? The world, well, then the world cannot attack you. If you die to yourself, the things of this world cannot attack you. Death is not important. You can, don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to take a shot. That's just a worldly thing trying to destroy you. Trust in the Lord. If we live or die for Jesus, we have eternal life. Once again, we need to be born again. To return America to receive the blessings and not the cursings. Next week, I'll continue with Ephesus. It's almost over with and we'll get into the other ones. But once again, ask yourself, are you willing to die for the Lord, to live for the Lord? And then you can have the peace and the joy. Blessings. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.